All right, good evening. That music means that, yes, it is time for Lost in the Long Box. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Because I'm not hearing myself. Can you boost me just a tad bit there, Madman? Is that it? Or is this one? Uh, try the other one. This one? Uh, How about test, that? Uh, yeah, I'll find it. That should be all right. We should be good. All right, so, again, I'm Randall. Um, got my... There it is. Now I have a lot of reverb. What, bring up Come on. <laughs> Turn the reverb off. Okay. And now, there we go. Okay, that's tad a little bit down. Quit, plus, quit playing with my... You feel like you're at the eye doctor yet? Better now or better now? Or about the same? Are you better good? Now? Better now? Okay, yes, I'm good. All right, and then my two co-hosts here, I have... Thomas. I'm the madman. All right, guys, welcome to Lost in the Long Box. Let's uh, do what we always normally do. How was everybody's weekends? Oh, it was pretty good. Pretty well, good, I can't complain. It was all right. Mine was okay, except for one small thing, which I found out today and just kind of like bummed me out. So we took one of those day trips up to New York, you know, where you get on uh, the bus at the old dark stupid hour, and then you drive up there for five hours, and then you get to spend like six or seven, and you get back on and spend another five or six driving home. Mm -hmm. This was Saturday, and I just saw a video today that apparently Jason Momoa was also in Times Square with the Aquaman Trident. And I can't confirm it was Saturday, but the video was posted December f or dated December 1st. And I'm like, I was in the area when he was doing this, and I missed him. And you could have got the cheesy picture with, like, thumbs right. up or something like that. Yeah. Well, what's really great is that he doesn't stop to take any pictures, but there's a great bit when after he gets done and he's walking back to Times Square. You see two people. He passes one girl, and she turns around and she goes, oh, my God, because she knows it's him. And then he walks by another one, and she points, and she goes, that's Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to find that and post it out on the, uh, the Facebook page. I meant to put that out there. So did you hit Midtown Comics while you were up there? I did hit Midtown. Um, it is a very nice store. It's two floors. They have a lot of beautiful, beautiful statues. They have a great Jim Lee-inspired Superman one for 150 that's probably a good, you know, foot tall. And it's, mm -hmm. The cape actually is out flowing out behind it. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, I didn't have anywhere to lug that thing around all day or else right. I would have been bringing it home. My big issue with them is their back issues are meh. Yeah. And they don't have a lot in the boxes and they most of their silver age is on the wall behind the counter, which I get that because it's a little silver bit, age, yeah. yeah, a little yeah, too easy to probably stuff that down your pants and walk out the door with it. But it is New York. I, I have discovered too, if you look at your website and you find it on the website, it ain't gonna be in the store. They they leave that in the warehouse because last time I asked him for a book that they showed on the website and they didn't have there, he said, well, I can get it from the warehouse, but it'll right. take a couple of days. And I'm like, I'm here for six hours, dude. That's right. not going to work. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was in Vegas a couple of years back, and I didn't – I failed to go to Torpedo Comics, so that was kind of a – yeah. That is on my bucket list. For all you comic fans out there, if you're ever in Vegas, you need to go to Torpedo Comics. Now, I'm not saying you will be able to get this access, but the owner has a vault – that has some amazing comics in it, and he has a Amazing Fantasy 15. I think it's a 9.8 is what I read. Ooh. It's yeah, it's high dollar, and they're all his personal collection. The rumor is that's Sebastian Box store. Oh, really? Yes. I, I someone confirmed that. You can email us and, and tell us if that's true or not. But my understanding is Sebastian Box of Skid Row is a big comic collector, and I think he's partner or that's his store or wow, I one. Did not know that. Yes. I would really? not have pegged Sebastian Bach of Skid Row. Oh yeah, he's a, a huge comic, comic collector. Yeah, I saw him on Chris. I dude. think he's one of the. <laughs> I think he's one of the few that actually have an Action Comics number one. Yeah. Wow. He's yeah. got an impressive collection. So. Yeah, I got to see one of those at um, at at uh, the Entertainment Museum up in Baltimore. Yeah, the shut last up. day it was open. Yeah, shut oh, up. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. For, for you guys who don't know, up here in Baltimore, Steve Jeppe, who owns Diamond Comics, used to have a beautiful um, pop culture museum wasn't just comic books, but the majority of it was comics. And you may have actually seen it if you've ever watched um, Comic Book Man on AMC. They go and visit it. And he had some of the grails. I'd say he had all of the grails under glass there. And I've been trying for years to go to it, and something always came up. And Tommy went the last weekend it was open because he shut it down and took most of them and donated them to the Library of Congress, of all people. What the hell? Yeah, so, so at least you'll be able to see them again. <laughs> They're going to go up on display there eventually. Right. I think next year, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Yeah. Not all of them, though. I think a lot of them he took back in his personal collection, which I don't blame him. Right. I mean, 
if I had all those high-end comics and they're sitting in the glass, I'd, I'd be nervous some, someone who, who has the means to is going to find a way to break in and take them. So. Right. Well, I thought about telling my wife. I says, you know what? You just go home. I'm just going to go ahead and live here with right. Action Comics. Find a way to pull an Ocean's yeah. Eleven on that place. I'm just going to live here. I'll, I'll sleep underneath it. It will be fine. <clears throat> all right. So let's get to some of the noteworthy news. Um, wow. So for you fans out there following the, the shows on Netflix, you guys should be chomping at the bit because – Surprise, surprise, Daredevil's been cut. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, anyone saw that coming, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's when they cut Iron Fist and then they cut Luke Cage. It's like, yeah, hmm. and Luke Cage, yeah. That they, was a- well, and they were talking that the viewership was down for those, two of those. So it's like, okay, well, viewership's right. not where they wanted. Maybe that makes sense. But. Well, well, here's the real just stinging insult. Um, Stem, Sam Ernst, who is the executive producer and writer on Daredevil, said plot season four was plotted out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a oh, story, man. and they were told, by the way, we're cutting it. And what I understand is part of the breakdown in negotiations was they wanted 10 episodes for the season, and he says, well, we've written 12, and they were like, not going to work. Yeah, so, so I mean, hopefully season three, I haven't seen season three, so hopefully it doesn't end on a cliffhanger, because that would really suck if the end of the series is a cliffhanger. I always hate it when that happens yeah. with any series I watch, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, now here's now here's where it gets really interesting. So after Daredevil's announced it's cut, Marvel Television has said, don't worry, Daredevil's going to live on future television products. Okay, great, awesome. And then we get news today that Disney has pretty much straight out said, we're not interested in the shows, we're not taking them back. Right, I saw that they're not gonna. So it's not gonna be coming to Disney Plus. I mean, they said that the Jessica Jones season three and Punisher season two are in development. So we're gonna get those next year, but right. that'll be it for them. Well, apparently, um, I guess a TV critic for Rolling Stone, um, Alec Sepinwall, um, even revealed on his Twitter account that Disney has no interest in those Marvel Netflix show. I wonder why. I mean. I think well, great. I'll tell you why. Another report that I read is supposedly one of the shows that Disney Plus is supposed to be setting up is going to be a Scarlet Witch show. I did see that, yeah. And it's going to be right. Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, we talked about that on a previous podcast. And they've also have let leak that it is going to have the Vision on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to call it Vision and the Scarlet Witch, going back to the old 80s four-issue miniseries. Yep. That's a pretty creative name right there. <laughs> right? I was just floored when I read that. How original. Very original. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my, not my sure only, how they came up with that. My only problem with that is they've never really established the romance between those two. Yeah, you can't force it. There was hints it. of it. There was hints of it, but, War, it, but it, it wasn't hints, Not enough to get a whole freaking show out of it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's going to come out after the, the second Infinity War, and they'll move on to you know the romance a little bit more. But speaking of the Punisher, did you, did you ever read the thing on IMDb and his quotes about when he was preparing for the role for the Punisher? What what he was uh, some of the things he was doing? No, you mean John Bethanol? Yeah, whatever his name. This is hilarious. When they announced I was going to be playing the part, I went to a comic store in Ventura, and there was a guy smoking a cigarette. There was no one in the store. He was sitting outside, and he was like, can I help you? And he didn't even look up. And I said, yeah, man, I'm just looking for some Punisher comics. And he's like, yeah, we don't have much since the announcement. And then he looked up and uh-huh. said, whoa, it's you. Uh-huh. And he was so cool and so helpful. And he said, you need to read this, this, and this. And he gave them to me for free. Wow. But well, then I went to New York. I go to a comic store in Brooklyn. I go in, I get a whole stack, I go up to them, and the clerk looks at me and goes, and he goes, yeah, I know who you are. And I go, okay, cool, man. I just want to buy these comics. He goes, no, you don't. You're not taking this. You're not taking this. You're not taking this. You're not taking this. You need to read this, 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 and this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, dude. And he's like, do not mess this up. <laughs> that was that hilarious. That is great. And you, know, you can find that on his IMDb page. Yeah, there's, some, there's some Dolph Lundgren pain behind that, you know. But right. <laughs> and, and that, well, well, definitely. And you know, I thought it was great, too, because he goes to California. The guy's like super happy and probably, you know, he said, whoa. So he's probably, yeah. you know, smoking some pot. So probably a little high. But he helps him out and, you know, gives him two of them for free. And then, like, the guy in yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn just just totally big times. So yeah. Like, you ain't nothing. Don't mess this up. Pay, pay me for my books. It's, it's such a, a telling thing about the East Coast versus the West Coast. Right. You know? It's crazy. So I actually have another piece of news that I'm actually kind of looking forward to now and I'm excited about, which I – I think it actually no, it actually premieres next week that the CW Arrowverse Arrowverse crossover. Elseworlds, right? So here's what's funny: is last week when I said that 
there's a picture that Stephen Amell did with him and Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. Yes, it was for Knocking Point His Wine. Mm. Uh, but here's what's really funny. He just posted a video, I want to say maybe over the weekend or, or late last week, where he said the three-episode Arrow's crossover Elseworld is going to have a big reference to Smallville in it. Okay, But here's what's funny. He said it's not actually a reunion with the Smallville cast, but that it's got different different Easter eggs to the Superman origin in it. He said incl- including one that actually left him shocked. Um, so I'm going to actually read what he said because when Stephen Amell says something like this, then you're just kind of like, okay, now I'm going to really need to see this. So what he said is, it is not a small reunion, although I think it becomes pretty clear in the process for the crossover that they're... Whoops. Damn it. Did you close the window? No, I didn't close the window. The problem is the font is now too big. <laughs> so anyway, what he's basically saying is, if you're a small, 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 if you are a fan of Smallville, and I have no idea if this is going to keep this in, but there's a treat for you in there, Amel explained. As someone who wasn't a diehard fan of Smallville, this moment in the crossover made me jump out of my seat. If you're a small, fan of Smallville, you may want to put down rubber sheets or something like that because, quite <laughs> frankly, you might piss your pants. Wow, okay. Why is he assuming we're watching on our bed? Right. <laughs> I tend to watch stuff on my couch. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Sometimes on the toilet. You right. have, you right. have to yeah. remember, modern, you America, uh, modern America, a lot of people now have televisions in their bedroom, and that's where they watch the stuff that they record. That's not good for your sleep. I, I concur. There are studies that say if you want to get a better sleep, take the TV out of your bedroom. Yeah. So for those of you who have trouble sleeping, look in your bedroom. If there's a TV in there, there's your problem. Get rid of it. That's a culprit. Exactly. So that I thought that was pretty interesting that Stephen Amell himself is even saying, wow, this, this is going to be awesome. You guys are going to have to watch it. So looking forward to that. Those, those crossovers have always been really good to me. Um, they get better every year that they've done it. I really loved the Invasion one they did last year. Which, if you guys didn't see that, that was the classic Dominators from the DC Universe got pulled in. And yeah, I have to go back and watch that. I don't. T- I hadn't been watching the the crossovers because I don't watch Arrow. Right. So I, I kind of you know the ones that came up on my DVR for the crossover, I just kind of skipped over because I, I wasn't going to see that part. I will freely admit that I quit watching Arrow, and I was talking with Walker um, earlier today, our station intern, that the irony here is Arrow is the one that started first, and they used it as the platform to branch off all the other CW shows, with the exception, I, of Super, yeah. exception of Supergirl. And they turned around and said, well, we want to make sure these shows you know, are successful and take off. And they're all better than the show that they sprung from. Yeah, way better. Because let's be honest, Green Arrow, not a great character. No, I mean, that's a tough sell anyway. I like him in the comic books. Yeah. I, I just, but... Well, what they I, did I to make him... It. Yeah, in, I didn't in, get the, into the... in the Silver Age, they, uh, they made Green Arrow just like a crazy left-wing liberal, you mm-hmm. know, just to make him a little bit more interesting. It's so, But it's, it's funny when, you know... The irony is Green Arrow was at his best when he was co-starring with Green, Green, Lantern, Green Lantern as a hard yeah. as a hard traveling hero storyline. Because well, it was good they were them bouncing off each other. I, I like the Green Arrow uh, Black Canary run. That, That's that good too. Had. I thought that was pretty good. And Mike Grell's Longbow Hunters was really good. It was I a haven't nice read that, but I have nice reimagining all kinds the of great things. And I, I do like Grell. He did a, a series for um, for Image back in the '90s called uh, Shaman or Shaman Out's Tears. Right. It's really good. I liked it. All right, so that's our big. Well, hang on. We got any more news? news? We do uh, tonight during Monday Night Football's halftime show. They're going to be dropping the new trailer for Captain Marvel. So, if when will it be available online? Because I'm not watching football. (laughs) Probably tomorrow. It'll it'll be tomorrow. The game is the Redskins versus the Eagles, so I'm not going to watch it. I'm not interested. In in fact, it it may actually show up on YouTube five minutes after it's been on TV. It very well could. And to be honest with you, I'm probably not going to go seek out this um, trailer anyway, because this is one of those ones where I know I'm going to see the movie. I know I'm going to see it. You don't want to ruin it for yourself. So there's really really not a huge need for me to go see it. But if it is something you're interested in, you can see it during halftime tonight during the Monday Night Football. I've been trying to do the same thing of avoiding trailers because I'm finding they're giving away too much, too much anymore yeah. and I get into the movie and I and A I get into the movie and I know what the story is going to be or and this is one that just irks me to no end they show you a scene in the trailer that never takes place in the movie yeah and yeah. you're like yeah. okay so what was that about they was do that, that was that just a tease yes you, it's just to mess with you so also since you brought that up I, I, I reminded me I had to mention this Jeremy Renner from Avengers, you know, Hot Guy, <coughs> is also hinting that we might see the next Avengers trailer drop this week as well. So I'm cool with that. Um, I don't know. If, that's another one. If I don't know if I actually want to see the trailer. 
I've I've seen the trailer to Avengers Four. Really? Oh, yeah. It was a trailer, and it said Avengers Four on it. Oh God. Okay, we're done. And, and, and with that, um, hey, Madman, yes. why don't you tell us who brought us the news tonight? Who brought us the news? Oh, you want me to do the ad thing? Well, I can't. Yes. Oh, okay. So you got to set me up better. That's called than a segue. Oh, okay. Noteworthy news items on Lost and Law Box were brought to you by Daddy's Pizza and Subs. Dot com. Go and check out their website. They just uh, updated their website. It's great now. Danny'sPizzaAndSubs.com. Uh, it's in the Lee's Hill area of F, uh, Fredericksburg. Uh, it has a limited delivery area, so uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> We're not going to deliver it to Stafford, for example. Uh, yeah, Lee's Hill Shopping Center um, across from Weiss. Uh, the address is 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Um, they're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 12 to 8 p.m. Um, mention coupon or oh, I got it. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, they got this sub special. This is great. Uh, two 12-inch subs for 15.99. Oh, Delicious, a good deal. yeah. That's a good deal. Or you can get any two gyros or gyros, gyros, two any two gyros or two wraps or two eight-inch subs for 11.99. That's a deal and a half. You yeah, know? It's a pretty good deal. It's almost there. like you're robbing them. Uh, anyway, so you can dial 898-5008 to place a delivery or pickup order. Just, you know, limited delivery area. It's about five miles away from that address, 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Um, be sure to tell them FXBG Public Radio and Lost in the Long Box sent you. That helps us out. Danny'sPizzaAndSubs.com. Go check them out. Awesome. And I'm looking around, and I couldn't help but notice there's no pizza or sub on the table. But I guess that's oh, you're so demanding. Issue, issue for another you're time. You're so demanding. So we work for money, not pizza. <laughs> so this week we are actually going to be covering our favorite characters and titles from publishers who aren't the big two. And if I need to remind anyone, the big two is DC and Marvel. Although for a while there, it looked like it might have been Marvel and Image or Marvel and Valiant, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead, and we're going to start on the opposite end. Madman. You started are, with me last week. Start with him. Oh, that's his way of saying, don't single me out, dude. All right, Thomas, give me one of your favorites. <laughs> this is a big one I liked. You were, you were talking about possibly Image. It's called Dynamo 5. I love Dynamo 5. It was a great series. Unfortunately, it hasn't been in print for um, for a while. It looks like there was a, a one-shot of it back in 2010. That was eight years ago. And if I remember correctly, they kind of left the, the series unfinished. So I was really hoping that they'd come back to it. But anyway, what it's about, it's it's apparently, it's a, I didn't know this, it's a spinoff of Noble Causes. I did not realize that. Um, but it's about the, uh, the hero Captain Dynamo was the protector of Tower City for 40 years before his being exposed to an unidentified form of radiation. It gives him, it gave him superpowers. His wife finds out after his death that he had illegitimate children, five of them. He liked to play around. Right. Captain Dynamo got around. And each one of them had a different power associated with him. Like one could fly, one had super strength, one could read minds. Um, I can't remember the rest of them. But she brings them all together to, to fight crime and, you know, stuff. Stuff. <laughs> you know, as you, know, you do. As you do. You always heroes do. <laughs> and it shows them about their interpersonal lives as far as getting to know each other and everything like that. And, you know, finding out that they have a family that they didn't know they had and, you know, that they're you know, fathers really weren't their fathers, you know, because it was Captain Dynamo that was their father. I remember talk back in the day of them of them going further and, you know, getting a little bit deeper into, you know, what happened. Like maybe it wasn't, you know, Captain Dynamo just getting around. Like there may have been some kind of mind control or something like that. I don't know. But like I said, it was never finished, unfortunately, but this was a great series. The The guy that ran the comic store that I was going to at the time, Big Monkey Comics, got me into it, and it was it was great. Well, you know, when that ended, they actually ended the, the, the story arc, because if I remember correctly, the government agency finds out about the Dynamo 5 kids mm -hmm. and starts enlisting them to work for them, because yeah. of, and they tell the wife, you know, they're Captain Dynamo's legacy, blah, 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 regular horse crap but when that ended i actually think the last page even said that dynamo 5 would be around in future installments and other series and those never happened right and those never happened so i mean it just you know, like you said they it had the ending to the story arc but you know there was a lot more that could have been done with these characters and they've yet to come back and if you're out there listening image comics jay faber and muhammad asar 
probably pronounced that horribly wrong, and I'm sorry if I did. Asrar? That's a tough one, bro. Bring them back. Well, we, we need Dynamo 5 back. Well, that's Jay Faber's property. So, Because Image, <clears throat> for a lot of you listeners who don't know, if you create a comic a comic character for, say, DC or Marvel, that's it, baby. It's yeah, theirs. It's they, property, they own it. Yeah. And, and once you once they print it, it's, it doesn't matter if it tanks or if it takes off uh, like a skyrocket. You don't get jack of it. If they're nice, they'll give you some profits. Yeah. Um, companies like Image and Boom Studios and, and Dark Horse and Dynamite and what have you, the artists they're creator-owned. So right. it already depends if Jay wants to bring that series back. And I imagine it's co-owned based on what I just read. And if he does, does it bring it back to Image? Because another company might offer him a better incentive to publish it themselves there. Exactly. Which is fine. I mean, it doesn't... I think that's good for the have. It doesn't have to be Image. We can bring it back to Valiant or Boom or right. IDW or yeah. you know wherever. Just you know, Anyone who print, wants to print it. Yeah. Right. Just bring me back some, uh, some Dynamo 5. Yeah. <laughs> Dynamo 5 was a good one. i tell you one of my favorites, um, and I wish I could go back and get the originals, I, and I may have to start investing in that. One of my favorites is Dr. Solar. Our man of the atom. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, I've never read this, but I've heard stuff about it. That well, the comic originally appeared, um, I believe, in 1962. 1962 under yeah, the Gold Key one, yeah. Comics label. Yeah, it's an old one. And it was created by Paul Newman and Matt Murphy, with their artist Bob Fuj- Fujitana. But it's really great because for Gold Key, they were like one of those. I don't want to say upstart companies, but they were one of the ones that were making waves and people were noticing their characters outside of the regular DC Marvel ring. Uh, it ran for 27 issues. The problem is they went up, went up on the prices a little bit, and I think it uh, changed prices to like the next price point, like a dollar twenty-five or, or 75 cents or something like that. I can't remember. So in the 70s, yeah, it wouldn't have been that much. And that kind of was the death knell for it. But they brought it back. And under Whitman, because Whitman then started printing the Gold Key comics, so they started back up with issue 28, but they only got four issues out of it. Uh, but in that one, it was actually a physicist named Dr. Philip Solar, hence the name Solar. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was working on a fellow um, worker, Dr. Bentley, to do a preventing a, a meltdown of a nuclear reactor and power plant, and that's how he got his powers, because he got infused with the radiation from it. So this appears from print from a while, and then... In the early 90s, Valiant Comics comes along. And I'm telling you, if you didn't read any of the 90 Valiants, they were phenomenal. Jim Shooter, when he had basically been kicked out of Marvel, went and formed Valiant. And they got so popular at one point that they were primed to take over as DC as a number two. Right. Oh, yeah. But one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to go in with some established characters that people recognized. So they got two gold key properties. Magnus Robot Fighter, which is also a really great one by Valiant, and Dr. Solar. Um, and they changed the name because Gold Key actually printed it just as Solar. When Valiant got him, it became Dr. Solar. And that version was actually a physicist named Phil Seleski. And he and it was really great the way they did this. In the storyline, they have Seleski actually be a fan of the Gold Key comic line. So they tie it right back to that original incarnation. But then the same thing. He's working on a fusion reactor, ends up getting damaged by the, the radiation. And the way this whole story works is the first arc, you find out that he basically destroys the Earth eventually with his powers. So then the whole rest of the series is him trying to avoid that tragedy. That also has the really great issue 10, which is just the black cover. And I don't think it even had a title on it. It was just a straight black cover. It's like you had to know what the book was when you picked that up. But then Valiant... Unfortunately, gets bought by Acclaim, the game company. And, and Acclaim proceeded to turn around and screw up everything that that company was doing at, at Valiant. So I won't mention much about the Acclaim series. They had like two one-shots and one four-issue miniseries. The only thing that was kind of interesting about Solar when it was under Acclaim is it became the twins of Frank and Helena Seleski, who were obviously the children of Phil Seleski. So, and he left them a portion of their power. So that was a bit of an interesting take on it. Then Dark Horse Comics came along, and here's where Dark Horse was really great. They started taking all those old Gold Key series and reprinting them in hardback. And one of the ones they did was the original Gold Key Solar series. And as a result of it, they went ahead and rebooted the series as well. And that was really great as well. I think they got um, eight issues of the miniseries at Dark Horse. So that was really good. And then, of course, they dropped it for a while. And then Dynamite Comics picks it up. And they did a 12-issue series of it. One of the things that's really great about Dynamite's run is his daughter, and I think it's Helena in the book, in the 
in this series, they're kind of strange. They're not talking to one another because it's one of those dad was always more concerned about his career, ignored mom and I, what have you. Well, she ends up getting the powers of Solar. So for most of the series, she's the one with the actual powers. And Phil Seleski is actually like an entity in her brain, almost like the whole Firestorm Matrix yeah, from Firestorm, DC Comics. Yeah, yeah. And that was a really great run. I love Firestorm. So, yeah. Solar, I, I've never understood why he wasn't more popular. Yeah. He had a great look. He has a great power set. Great, and yeah. great uh, great uh, dialogue, way to talk yeah. to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Who, Firestorm? Firestorm, yeah. 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 That never, was pre- never understood why well, he was Well, remember, the, the reboot of Fury of Firestorm ran for over 100 issues. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, since they've tried to do it more in more the modern age and everything like that, it just really doesn't yeah. seem to work. And I don't quite understand. But anyway, back to what you were saying. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Solar was another great one. I would strongly suggest if you haven't read the, I haven't read the original Gold Key, I'm going to go out and, and find those Dark Horse hardcovers or maybe even some of the originals. But that is another unique character. I, and I know someone's going to pick it up because the rights seems to always be changing hands. I mean, I've mentioned three other companies here besides Gold Key that had it. I think Dynamite might still have the rights to it, so they'll probably pick it up. Dynamite is also doing some really great stuff with uh, like Edgar Rice Burroughs, Deja Thoris, and I think they did some John Carter as well. Mm-hmm. They're also, and, and I hate admitting this is one of my guilty pleasures, they're doing the Betty Page series. But the Betty Page series is actually really good because you find out that she was a secret agent for the government in the 50s. <laughs> That's kind of really cool unique. spin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. So that's one of my favorites. Madman, I know you've got something out there. Uh, yeah, I think I may have, may, may have been confused about the topics for today, but I kind of focused on characters. It doesn't seem like you guys. Uh, yeah, it was uh, supposed to be characters or books. So characters, it should be characters or titles not put or out titles, by the big yeah. two. Okay. By yeah, the so big two. should be fine. All right, so the, my first one is Melody uh, Jones, or or is it Valentine? The point is it's not the Tara Reid version. All right, she's, she's a cute blonde. All right, and I just love the sing-song voice, you know, just a, a girl who always kind of has a song. Inner voice. That's cute as hell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm just helpless against her powers, you know? As soon as I, you know, as soon as I see her, I just, like, you have my heart, you know? The, the hell with the rest of the pussycats, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm guilty pleasure here. I, Melody was my favorite one of, the, of Josie and the exactly. pussycats. Exactly. Yes. The hell with the rest of them. I'm but, just pissed they cast Tara Reid as her. But let's, let's like, be honest. It's right. because, because she was the hot blonde. Now it was. It was most. Movie stuck in my head. Now it's that. No, it's the fact that she had a sing-song voice. I think that that was yeah. what really well, drove it home for me. And don't forget her laugh. As she she'd already be like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I bear, I know I saw the Josie and the Pussycats movie when it first came out, but I've just I've kind I was of blocked so it. Angry. Well, I tell you what. Well, so you angry. being the the Archie subject matter expert would probably be. Really, <laughs> I was furious. Be really upset. Furious. Well, here's the thing about the Josie and the Pussycats movie. A. <laughs> Josie was played by Rachel Lee Cook, and I love yes. me some Rachel Lee She's Cook. She's hot, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's uh, wrong that I should have been more attracted to Josie than right. to Melody. But also, too, and, and I really hate saying this, go to Napster or iTunes and get the soundtrack for Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, the songs no. are not bad. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the song, the, EK I, is over here shaking his head, not his head, like, yes, they're, they're not bad songs. Jeez, <laughs> holy. Huh? Pretend to be nice. I love that one. You sons of bitches. You know I'm going to go look this up at later. And what's the other one? Three small words. It took three small words and five long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Randy is just a oh, damn I'm, I'm the resident Archie expert. I will, let me Whatever. Tell you what, I will hand over my man card right now, but those are not bad songs. <laughs> wow. that, movie, that movie should have done better. The songs in that movie were rocking. <laughs> there you go. Josie and the Pussycats, the movie, with right. the underrated soundtrack, according to Randall. Yeah. All right. You know what? That's it. I'm gonna, for Christmas, all of you are getting an actual CD copy of Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack. The I, I'm not sure how I'm going to play it. Yeah. I don't what the hell player, am I going to do with a CD? It's a CD. Disc. Right. I, I don't have a CD player in my car. I don't. You have don't a CD have one at home? home? No. Your wife will. The wife has one in her car. So maybe well, there she'll you go. To you but, and the wife can. But, but yeah, we we don't we don't own a CD player anymore. How do you not own a CD player? Why would I own the a CD player? The medium is not dead. All right, moving on. <laughs> Why would I own a CD player? I can stream all the music I want to listen to on my phone. I mean, come on. Yeah, right? All right. So, all right, Thomas, I'm almost tempted to just kick you out the room now. What is your Am other, I getting fired uh, again? Uh, yes, like Have you noticed those are seem to be a trend? I fire Thomas on an almost weekly basis. Yeah. And I keep coming back. What it's, is, it's, 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 day- it's almost as if I don't listen. I don't know. One of these days it's going to stick. It's going to come in and find a studio locked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Thomas, uh, what's your one of your other favorites? So this is a personal favorite of mine. It's one that's been running for quite some time since uh, March 1990. I first remember seeing this in the old Dragon Magazine comics, if you guys ever played D&D. Wow. Yeah, it's called uh, Knights of the Dinner Table. It's been running since 1990. It's up to issue number 260. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, impressive. It's, it's got to be one of the most longest-running independents out there right now. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, let's see. Let me think. I mean, I don't... I, I, I think Cerebus ended, finally, because yeah, for Cerebus a while... Yeah, Cerebus ended at 300, and that was some time ago. Okay. Um, and that was meant to end at 300. Dave Sims said that he was going to write right. it to 300 and then kill off the Yeah, it must, it must still be, because for a while it was either ElfQuest or Cerebus, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if it's the longest running, but it's got to be up there at 260 issues. I just looked that up on their website, and that's the newest one. But the Knights of the Dinner Table are a gaming group. They play a game that's very, very similar to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. (laughs) Trying everything not to get that copyright. Right. It is called called Hackmaster. Yeah. Um, And it it focuses around five main people. uh, B.A. Felton, the Game Master. Bob Herzog. Dave Boswell, Sarah Felton, BA's cousin, and Brian Van Hoos. And with the exception of Sarah, the boy, you know, the, the boys are mainly munchkins, which if you're a gamer, you know that that means someone is just basically a power gamer. They don't really care much about the role-playing aspect. Right. They're just trying to get the most powerful weapons and armor and go run roughshod through everybody. Yeah. And it's it's quite funny because the the way they act and everything. Um, most of them, like Brian is very socially inept when it comes to talking to women. And that leads to a lot of funny stories. Sarah and is probably the most normal one on there. Um, Dave is kind of, well, he's kind of got his head in the clouds and everything, but it takes place in Indiana and it's really great. There's other gaming groups such as the, the black hand, uh, gaming society. Um, you also see Hard Eight Enterprises show up a lot, which are the people that created the Hackmaster game. I like that Hard Eight. Yeah, and um, it's funny because at one point, Gary Jackson is the person that's, <laughs> that actually created the game in the comic book and everything like that. And they do this thing where he dies, but then they bring it back, saying, "No, he faked his own death." And there's this there was this lot part where his widow had quote-unquote widow had taken over and was you know not putting out the the greatest stuff in the world so he has to come back to save the (laughs) save the franchise the franchise and you know one of the great things about about it is every year they go to gary con in indiana which is basically (laughs) the gaming the gaming equivalent of like you know dragon con Con or gen con or something like that it's called it's called gary con but one of the greatest things about this is the game became so popular that it was released. There is a Hackmaster <laughs> game now, and it, it's that's great. Yeah, it's great. I it's, love it. Like like somebody actually invented Klingon because they loved it so much. Right, you know? right. It, it start, I actually at one point in time I don't have them anymore. When I when I moved in with my wife, I didn't have a lot of space, you know, for stuff. So I got rid of a lot of my gaming stuff because I hadn't used it in years. So that was sent on to my friend Leo. But I had a whole bunch of the uh, of the Hackmaster stuff, the the gaming guide and and the you know the dragon the dungeon master guide and everything. That like is that. so cool, right? I had all kinds of it, and it it's based it's basically a parody of of Dungeon and AD and D Second Edition. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a total parody, and it. Well, I'm sure I'd laugh ho- my ass off at the it's reading hilarious. the rule book. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's all kind full of all kinds Ooh. of funny stuff. It started out as Hackmaster Fourth Edition. <laughs> there was no editions one through three. Right. They just decided yeah. it was going to be fourth edition. But it's it's fully playable and everything. And great. Okay, so three things come to mind real quick before <laughs> I forget them. Number one, we're obviously going to have to find a copy of this for FXBG Pirate Gamers. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, Michael Okuda actually created the Klingon um, dictionary and, and language. Because the story about that is when they were filming, I want to say maybe Star Trek three or four, Gene Roddenberry said, I need some Klingon phrases. He goes, and they need to sound consistent from scene to scene, from movie to yeah. movie. Well, if they say, teleport me up, it should sound the same from movie to movie. Yeah. So he was just really supposed to do a few phrases. But, but he then he decided, the said, you know language. what, I'll just do the whole language. <laughs> yeah. J.R. all talking style. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Most, a, a lot of these are, are recollected in, in trade paperbacks and everything. I have a few of the older trade paperbacks. I need to pull them out mm-hmm. and like go back and try to fill yeah, in I what I have. I should probably go get some I of those have to trade find those, oh, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're great. And, you know, they, they, they also had write-ups in there about um, – 
about characters and character classes and stuff like that. So, you know, some of it was for the the third edition D and D system, which were like legit stuff. Yeah. And then they'd have things for for you know Hackmaster and everything like that. <laughs> like one of the most prized possessions is Dave's Hackmaster plus twelve sword. <laughs> so, and and Bob has always got to waste them with my crossbow. So, you said you gave them to your friend Leo. Yeah. Is this to, now, just refresh my memory. Is Leo also the same poor friend that you screwed out of New Mutant 7098? How did I know he's going to find some way to work that in? How did I know he'd find something to work in as soon as I said Leo? <laughs> yes, Randall, that is the same guy. That's one of the reasons why he got all my gaming stuff, because I felt bad about it. <laughs> there you go, Leo, taking care of your brother. <laughs> but yeah, this is, I, I mean, if, if you're into gaming at all, then you need to start picking up nights of the dinner table it is good stuff it's definitely a huge parody of, of power gamers it's a lot of fun it's very funny and it you know like i said it goes back years i mean right now it goes back to 1990s still going strong and it goes even back further than that like i said in, in dragon magazine and everything check it out awesome yeah i'm gonna look from some phrase to that madman you got something uh yeah um my next non-marvel dc character is midge clump i mean short hair oh. yeah short hair brunette you know, with the bangs over the eye, that's sexy, super sexy, and it, I, I kind of feel sorry for her. Like, I, I think she might be in an abusive relationship. Like, what if she wanted to break up with Moose? And and Moose, how would he react? I mean, just the way he acts when and when he catches like Reggie talking to her. You know, what would happen if Midge just like is alone with Moose and just like I want to go? I don't want. I want to end this. And maybe she's scared. Of that, and I just think that maybe I should help her and like take a couple of shots from Moose. <laughs> you know, it's like maybe if, if Moose kicks my ass, he kicks my ass. But right. you know, Midge, I, got, I got it. <clears throat> At least Midge is free. You know, here's the thing about Midge, and let let's all just take a moment here and out of characters, would like to say, let's be honest. Yes, they were cartoon-looking characters, but there was a secret part of you that looked at Betty and Veronica and said, "Okay, those chicks are hot," because you knew they were supposed to be the hot chicks. No. But when you looked at Midge, Midge was a little bit like Rizzo from Greece. Yeah. She looked a little bit older. She probably was a little more experienced. And you felt like telling Archie, hey, man, quit screwing with those two and go with the chick who's actually got the experience. I, see, like I said, I think I did this wrong, but uh, I, I, got, I got two more on my list. So. Okay. Well, who's the other two? Are they? Or do you want to take some time? Or you I've got, well, I've got, because that's my whole list. Okay, <laughs> well, I've got, got something. Say. Here's another one that I really love. Um, and if you haven't read this series, uh, you actually need to go start with your trade one and just read through all of them. And that's Invincible at Image Comics by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. The, this is a really great book. For a long time, it was touted as being the best superhero comic out there. And it's, it's so great because it's, it's a straight-up rip-off of like Superman, because the whole premise here is Mark Grayson is oh actually God. the son of Omni-Man. Okay, yes, that's the name, Omni-Man. Um, and Omni-Man turns out to be um, a novelist named, his earth name is Nolan Ryan, but he's actually... <laughs> Nolan Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Nolan Grayson, my bad. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan, Ryan. Nolan Grayson. Okay, his special power is a 100-mile-an-hour you know, fastball no, but he's Nolan, he's in Nolan, the temple. He's Nolan Grayson, but he's actually from another planet. He's a member of the Viltrumite race. And yes, they actually have superhuman strength, fast healing, all, all the whole Superman stuff. And it's really great because the very first arc, I want to say maybe in the first issue, he actually sets him down and says, Mark, it's time you learn the truth about where I came from. And he gives him the classic Superman um, storyline about how he was from another race of superpowered individuals. They were actually looking to um, find other races where they could basically act as ambassadors. And he fell in love with his mother and settled down on Earth. And, and he's telling him, someday when you hit puberty, you're probably going to inherit my powers. And, and it's great because the whole time he tells him this, all Mark can say is, cool, I'm going to be able to fly. Um, and then, of course, a couple panels later, you see his superpowers actually start to come out. So it's a classic superhero coming of age because he's in high school. And it has all the, the classic tropes of superheroes. So, like, they have their own version of Teen Titans. It was the Teen Team, where he meets, like, Rexplode. That's, that's the name. And one character named... That's just, a pretty awesome name. Just named... Rexplode. Ro just named Robot. And then he meets um, the girl who becomes his girlfriend way down the line, Adam Eve, <laughs> because she has atomic powers. So, and then they have their own Justice League ripoff. They have the Guardians of the Globe. Which later become the, wow. the the global guardians. But here's what's really odd about this book: 
it starts off all nice and simple, and it's obviously ripping off the, the classic superhero um, genres. But when it gets to battles, it gets bloody. The right. books are actually not holding back on the amount of blood and the gore because Robert Kirkman is saying, hey, I want you guys to see that when two superpowers get into it, they get into it. It's yeah. not nice pulling punches and yeah, stopping. They're, they're snapping fighting, necks, it's ripping people in half. Until yeah. are coming yeah. out. So even though it can be really gory at times, it's actually a really great book. Uh, now, unfortunately, he did end it. He ended it in, in uh, 2017. I want to say at issue 136, maybe. Uh, I'd have to look that number up. I, I had it written down. But yes, so that was actually a really great series. It, and it goes on so many different levels because one of the great stories that I remember in this is shortly after he gets the superpowers, he starts flying around and he's practicing his, his superpowers and he's wearing just like a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt and a mask. And he stops a robbery, like two guys just fleeing down the alley. And all of a sudden there's Omni-Man, his superhero dad, just kind of floating in the alley. And he's like, really? You've had your powers, what, two weeks now? So he said, well, I, you know, I had to start training or what have you. So then you find out that his dad says, well, if you're going to be doing that, let's get you properly outfitted. So he takes him to the version of the, of the superhero Taylor who makes a costume for him. And he's like, well, no have you, he's like, have you thought of your name? He goes, your, your costume should reflect your name. And he's like, hmm, I haven't really thought of it. But then there's also a great bit where his dad is off doing something and he calls Mark while he's at school. He says, Mark, I have a problem. There's something I need you to do for me. I forgot all about it. So he takes off. And what he has to do is there's this one-eyed alien, literally named Rex the Alien, who makes a yearly trip to Earth to fight his champion, which is usually (laughs) Omni-Man. And so he's like, I need you to tussle with this guy. And he basically says... It won't. It'll last maybe you know an hour or two. You'll fight the guy to a standstill, and he'll fly off and leave. <laughs> well, you find out the whole reason he's doing that is he's making sure that Earth is protected um, and has its own guardian. Because the twist on this, and I don't want to give away too much, but you find out that Omni Man is actually not what he claims to be. But it and it's great. So it has an Earth. It has mysteries. It has adventures in outer space. It even introduces his own nemesis. It's really great series. Invincible. Pick up volume one. Start reading it. Great series. Actually, kind of upset that Robert Kirkman ended it. There's actually supposed to be a live action show or movie being developed. I think Amazon's going to be producing it. So, yeah, Invincible by Image Comics. One of one of the great ones. Cool deal. Thomas. So, on uh, piggybacking on what I was saying earlier about Hackmaster, before we get on to the to the next one, at the Knights of the Darren Tables website, kenzerco.com, you can you can look at some free web strips that are there as far as the Knights of the Darren Table. There's also ways you can order the trade paperbacks going all the way back to the beginning. Cool. And for those of you that were interested in playing the game, as Randall had said, there's a a free download PDF, 231 page download called Hackmaster Basic to get you. Oh boy! I know. To get you started. I already know the, what Madman's doing at the show. At, at the rules, I, I have it called <laughs> up here. So um, yeah, so that's definitely something you guys want to check out if you're if you are interested in this. And I like I said, I strongly recommend it. It was right. hilarious. I am so going to make my character Gonad the Barbarian. Gonad the Barbarian. That's great. If I remember correctly, there was a Barbarian class that, that was associated with it. But anyway, let's get back to where. See your enemies crush before them and hear the lamentations of their women. So. <laughs> Getting off subject, when we played AD, <laughs> D&D 3rd Edition, I ran this character called a Decanter Goblin, and I made him green, and I gave him an intelligence of 4 on purpose. He had a strength of like 27, and he was about 4 feet tall. I named him Hulk. <laughs> basically, all he said was Hulk smash. He had a horn that did damage, and basically every time I fought, I just bend over and rammed people and then beat them with my fist. He was so much fun to play. He met his death, untimely death, at the hands of a beholder because, well... Beholders. Yeah, and he just ran at him. So <laughs> it would have been out of character to do anything else, uh, yeah. so I had to. But the next one I have is one that I like. We talked about Valiant a little bit earlier, and that would be Exo Manowar. Oh, was, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This, this is not one that I read back in the 90s. I, I did not get a lot of the Valiant comics back then. I was aware of them, but I kind of was mostly Marvel obsessed then, and I didn't really have a whole lot of money on account of being a teenager with right. you know no job. So I didn't really get to go too deep into it. But when they re-released it in 2012, I did start picking it up. Um, it's the story of Eric of Dicea, a, he from ancient Rome. He was a Vis- Visigoth, as a matter of fact, uh, and he was raised under the oppressive <laughs> thumb of the Roman Empire in the 5th century. He gets kidnapped by um, some aliens and taken aboard their ship. 
while aboard the ship, time passes differently because they're traveling at the speed of light. Six years, time dilation. Yeah. Right. Six years go by on the, on the ship, whereas centuries go by on Earth. The real, it's always on a freaking problem with time travel. Right, yeah. <laughs> time dilation. Time dilation. You know, get some flux capacitor or something like that. Maybe you'll be okay. I don't know. But but anyway, so he the, – the alien group have a special suit of armor that they, that they worship, and they've been trying to get people, you know, they're into the armor and be able to use it. But every time they get into it, the armor, which is intelligent, kills them. He is able to take possession of the suit of armor and get, get free of the, uh, of the ship and head back to Earth. And of course, when he comes back, he finds out you know hundreds of years have passed, because you know it's modern day, it's 2012, and it's no longer ancient Rome. So yeah. you get the the man out of time story. He's fighting the aliens. There's already there's aliens already on our planet disguised as humans. It's a really yeah. really explain great story. this toilet thing to me. Right? Yeah. What's what's a toilet? Yeah. What are they throwing <laughs> shells for? Right there, <laughs> there. Oh, Demolition Man. I love that movie. Oh, that was a great movie. It says take off that kimono. You look like a couch. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's the man out of time trying to come to terms with living in the modern day, fighting the aliens. You know, the, you know, there's an alien force already on Earth. It's a really great book. Um, yeah, I need to see about picking up the trades. I know I have the uh, the some of the individual issues in my long boxes, but probably, yeah. be- probably better to pick up the trades because it'll take forever to find them just if I wanted to reread right. them. But definitely one of the one of Valiant's better episodes, better. Uh, Better, uh, blah, blah, blah. better titles. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, um, so recommend picking it up. Go in, in search of it for the back issues. I think. I think if I'm not mistaken, it's still going on right now. Yes, it's ongoing. So it's still going on right now. Cool. Yeah, currently it's 71 issues. It says right here, Valiant Comics. And that's well, that's the new run, right? That's the new run since 2012. Because yep. the the original one that I read, the Exo Armor actually picked a caveman. Yeah, this yeah yeah this is this is the new run that started in two thousand twelve. He was a Visigoth, so um, from the uh, the Roman Empire. Cool. I you know I really missed the nineties Valiant. Um, I have Exo Man of War number one. From X, the 90s. Exo Harbinger Harbinger. Yeah. What a great book that was. Solar Man of the Atom, Magnus Robot Fighter, um, Archer and Armstrong, Turok Dinosaur Hunter, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. <laughs> yeah, that spawned a video game. Yes. Yeah, Nintendo well, 64 game. A couple of them, as a matter of some fact. Would, some would argue that was the beginning of the downfall because Acclaim made the yeah. game and then decided, hey, we should publish our own comics. And then they bought Valiant and realized that we don't actually know how to publish comics. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I liked I liked Turok too. That was a good one. I um. I have the issue number one of that, and of course, you know, it was a very '90s cover for both of those. Exo Man right. War Interact. You know, it had the the foil cover and everything. You know, it was it was '90s to the bone. I mean, '90s to the bone. '90s <laughs> to the bone. Wow. To the okay. Bone, baby. 1990 called. They want their slang back. Right. Um, well, if I'm talking about 1990s, I got to use 1990 <laughs> slang. It wouldn't make sense to use 2018 See, slang when talking about 1990s. Yeah, and that's why I could, uh, you know, never mind. All right, Madman. Lost mine. Who's on your list? I know you. Can. All right, I got number two. My number two favorite non-Marvel DC character is Veronica Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's really quite simple. You're a rich girl, <laughs> and you've gone too far because you know it don't matter anyway. Is it just because of the whole rich attitude thing? And you can rely. Well, I might get rich if I, you know, hook up with Veronica. All in right, a right, lost right. in a long box. That's <laughs> sung by the Madman. All right, she's cute. I get it. She's cute. I understand that. All right, and to be honest, mostly it's about I want to see what all the fuss is about because you know you got Reggie and Archie's like so super interested, and it's like it can't simply be the money, right? I mean, she's got to be like putting out, right? <laughs> so I want to see what the fuss is about. Just to just to taste. Daddy just wants a taste. Well, it's just like you said on a previous episode with the whole thing with Archie and why you can't choose. Betty is a nice yeah. church-going girl, and Veronica was the one that was putting out on Saturday exactly. night. We talked about this when watching Riverdale, my wife and I did, and about Betty and Veronica. I was like, you know, if I'm going to pursue one of them, it's, it's going to be Betty, because Veronica just seems like she's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> she's High maintenance. maintenance. Right. Yeah. She's used to living that rich lifestyle and everything like that. I, I can't do that. No. Right. You can't so, rely on the old man's money. Betty's so, the girl next door. She's a lot more normal, a lot more down-to-earth. So, you know, since we're talking about alternate characters and titles that we like, um, I'm sorry because I, I know Magma's going to cringe when I bring this up. Walker's going to love this. So it is a parody of all the Archie comics, but it's a porn parody. And it, w- and it was Cherry. 
and and, and it was basically I remember cherry the art style yeah. and it, it, actually I think they called it cherry blossom like the first couple of issues, um, but then the rest of the series was just cherry and it was literally just a black and white porn parody of Archie. Now I looked these and I, I I've I seen f- them. I will fully admit that I I had like three or four issues of them. They they weren't highbrow reading. They was no just, it was no uh, it was straight up porn. Right, exactly. Cringe. But you know what's funny? If you look up the originals, those things are stupid expensive now. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. They're like they old, are, like old porn magazines. Yeah, they're porn hard magazines. To, they I, got I destroyed them, a lot, and and they're a pretty penny. I'm thinking, and I got rid of those stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Right. Wow. Well, it's all matters of like how many prints are in are in existence. Right. Yeah, I guess you know it depends on what people want and what they're and, willing to pay for. It, well, but. apparently it was just popular enough that collectors got them because of the novelty of you yeah. know, hey, it's funny. Um, it's, and, not, it's not funny. So see over there, Mad Miller shaking his head like, like no, you can't, you can't do this to my Archie. You can't do that to my Archie comics. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do it to your Betty. Ooh. So one of the ones I another one that I have here, and this this is actually a really good one. I should also uh, recommend reading. Um, Mad Men, you might actually like this one. It's, it's two series. The first one is Irredeemable by Mark Wade at Boom Studios. It ran for 37 issues. The, the great thing about this is it is the typical what happens if Superman was to just lose his cool and go bad. Sounds fun. So it, it actually is a story of a superpowered being. Now, I don't like the name. The, the name of the character is the Plutonian. The Plutonian. I'm like, I, I know. Where, where do you get that? But it is straight up. A super Superman powered level powered guy who just can kick butt on anyone on the planet who decides he's just lost it. In fact, let me read you. Is some, that how going crazy works? Let me, let me read you what Mark. I think, w- I'm, I think I'm just going to lose it today. Couple of directions, a couple of directions, shit. Couple of descriptions from Mark Wade. He says, "What if you go, you know, from Captain America to Doctor Doom? What if you go from Superman to Lex Luthor? How do you go from being the greatest hero in the world, someone that everybody knows and everybody loves and everybody recognizes?" to the greatest villain in the world. What is that path? It's not a light switch. It's not an on-off switch. It's not something that you wake up one day and you just become evil. And so there is a story arc where he shows you what was a snapping point for Plutonian. And, and it's actually a really good story. He realized that his name was stupid? Yeah, he realized, man, I gave myself People a dumb name and I can't, ever, and I can't, can't change. ever change it. Yeah. Brand, is, brand is established. Yeah, they're, they're laughing at me now. <laughs> right. But then he also... Talks about the fact that this wouldn't couldn't be something he could do at like Marvel or DC, because you can't just take that character. But he also says, uh, and here's another quote, and this is this is the part that was really, uh, he says, Wade's premise stems from the rejection of the idea that in superhero comics, pretty much everyone who's called upon to put on a cape is at heart emotionally equipped for the job. So he says part of what's going on behind here with uh, Irredeemable. As he says, the beauty of Superman is that he can deal with that level of adulation without it going to his head, without it warping him, but he's a very special individual. We presume whenever we write superheroes and we come up with superhero origins that anybody who gets the powers of a superhero, even if they are Spider-Man and they've got things they got to work out, that issue responsibility and power responsibility, we assume that they eventually have the emotional makeup to take, to take it takes to, to overcome these things. Yeah, I mean... Well, what if you give that level of power to someone who, at heart, doesn't have that emotional capability? And that's what he's doing with, with well, Irredeemable. Exactly. I mean, it's just like it's like Britney Spears. Right. You know, um, you thrust somebody into the limelight, and when you have somebody who's superpowered, like a radioactive spider bites you, next thing you know, you can do spider-type stuff. And then, you know, you're swinging around town, and it's like, hey, there goes Spider-Man. All of a sudden, right. you're an instant celebrity. And next thing you know, Peter Parker's shaving his head and running off to Vegas. Right. You know? And that's the great thing about Irredeemable. <laughs> it works with the premise that just because this guy has these great powers and do all this great good doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they're that, not fallible. That, that he's not emotionally equipped to be able exactly. to, to, to handle being looked up all the time. Right. But now here's where this gets really interesting. He also then turned around and did a companion book to that called Incorruptible. And right. the premise behind Incorruptible is there was only one person on this planet who could ever stand up to Plutonian. And it was a guy whose name literally was named was Max Damage. Way better. <laughs> and, Way better name. You win. And yeah, his whole power damage. set his whole power set was the longer he was awake, 
the stronger he got. So within an hour, <laughs> he was cool. so within an hour he was indestructible. So in the book, if he could stay awake for at least say a week or so, right. he has the same power level as in as uh, Plutonian. But he'd go crazy. So because his whole, you, you need to sleep to, in order to right. maintain your sanity. He, wow, he actually trains cool, he trains himself to be able to stay like awake, that. but yeah. eventually his body just does okay. It we're collapses. done. You're yeah. sleeping, yeah. and he wakes up and he's mortal and he's you know yeah. vulnerable again. And that's Squishy when you can again. get him. But it's funny because it's one of those things where he sees Plutonian basically just go bonkers, loses it, and he realizes that, well, damn, someone's going to have to step up here. <laughs> and it's, it's not quite as clear-cut as, as Irredeemable and Plutonian, but it's the same type of premise. It's like all of a sudden the villain's like, well, maybe someone needs to you know, step up here and, and take the place. The part that's really funny about this, and, and this is actually kind of horrible to talk about, in Incorruptible, the villain, Max Damage, had a girlfriend that – you know, he was doing the nasty with, and the character was actually Jailbait. He's doing max damage with it. In, in fact, I think that actually was her name was Jailbait, and she was underage. And there's actually a scene in one of the books where she wants to get busy, and he pushes her aside and goes, you know, no, that's illegal. I don't do that anymore. And she's like, what? Since when? <laughs> so not only does he start saving people, but he has like a total 180 on his moral compass as well. So those, those are another good ones. Irredeemable and Incorruptible by Boom Studios, done by Mark Wade. They're in trade. If you like a good twist on the superhero book, those are great ones to get. Sounds like it'd be good, pretty good. And of course, you know, I would be remiss if I don't mention the great ones that I think actually started getting me reading other independents out there. The good old-fashioned Warren magazines and their stuff like Vampirilla and Creepy and Eerie and, and Rook in 1994. Oh, some of the horror magazines yes. and stuff like that. Th that's when I'm like, wow, there's, there's actually stuff outside of DC and Marvel, and it's really good stuff. Yeah, I didn't learn that until much, much later that there was stuff outside of DC and Marvel. I mean, I knew it was there, but I, I didn't really yeah, buy I anything. Yeah, I never really interested. Yeah, I, I bought, I bought a, you know, when Image first came out, naturally, of course, I snatched up a bunch of, you know, Image stuff like Spawn 1, Shadowhawk 1, yeah. Youngblood 1. Yeah, who didn't? You know, Savage well, Dragon. Savage Dragon wasn't bad. I like yeah, that. Well, a, a friend and I used to always have this this joke about you can't read an Image comic. You can buy it and look at the pretty pictures. Yeah. Because at the time, that's all they were. The the irony here is... Well, except for Youngblood. Is, is now, if you want to do any type of hard-edge, groundbreaking, outside of the bubble, you go to Image. Um, and for you comic readers out there... If you, or even those of you who maybe read comics years ago and haven't done it in a while, and you want something outside of just superheroes, go to Image Comics, go to Boom or Dynamite or, or Dark Horse or IDW. IDW is actually doing some really great stuff with the Star Trek um, series. They picked up from the rebooted movie and have been doing the whole retelling of all the classic Star Trek stories from that universe perspective. Oh, okay. You want another one that I want to try, I think I think it was from IDW, but there is now a GoBots yes. comic book. Nice. The GoBots. For yes. poor kids. Yeah. But so I kind of want to check that out because y'all want to see what uh, old Leader One and Psykill are up to here. So, so <laughs> we're getting closer to our hour. Thomas, you have anything else? Uh, no, I did not. I went. I, I got, had three. I got my number one. Yeah, uh, Madman. Got another one for us, though. Oh, what do you got, Madman? Favorite non-Marvel DC character, number one spot, Betty Cooper. Yes. Smart blonde, possibly a psychopath, you know. Let's well, be honest. Possibly a psychopath. Well, no, no. She's not that she was a psychopath. It was that she was so willing to please Archie that she would have done anything for Archie. That could turn anybody into it, a psychopath. Even if it included sometimes not doing in her best interest. That's interesting because my next note is devoted and undemanding. <laughs> yes. See? Devoted and undemanding. Wonderful qualities for women to have. And see, there's your problem. When you're reading Archie comics as a teenager, you, you get into the same dilemma Archie does. Well, I got the hot Veronica over here. Nope. Who's going to jump in the bed at the drop of a hat? But then I got Betty over here, who's going to go make me a sandwich if I'm hungry. Exactly, Archie. <laughs> Archie is a moron. You know that girl is perfect. I'll marry you, Betty. And I already made my feelings known on it on, the, on when you talked about Veronica. So we know which one I would pick. I'm actually surprised that of all the Archie characters that you love, Cheryl Blossom never comes in. No. Nah. Speaking of Betty, if you get a chance, check out the cover to Betty and Me number 16. Is this, number to, 16. Is this a new one by uh, who does that series Oh, now? it beaten off? 
Yep. Yeah, the beat, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I that, beat off six guys. Okay. That's the one uh, you want to check out. Just, you can't just put beaten off and not explain to the read, listener. Read, so, yeah. So <laughs> the cover is Betty and me from uh, Archie from the number 16. This is uh, from back, I believe it's back in either the 50s or the 60s. I'm not sure. It's but great. It's, but it's old. Archie's coming out of the water carrying uh, Betty and says, Archie, did you have any trouble rescuing me? And Archie responds with, I sure did, Betty. I had to beat off three other guys. Does that mean that he beat himself off as well? No, there's three guys in here with black eyes, so it but must have the people that he's going up against. Oh, oh. it's talking about violence. Yeah, it's oh. talking about actual oh. violence. Oh. Yes. Okay. It doesn't come across that way when you read <laughs> no. it, but it's talking about actual oh. violence. Okay, uh, you guys. All right. Like I said, you can't just throw stuff out there because now I know there's a listener somewhere who just did a spit take with their drink going, but what? <laughs> what? All right. So anyway, that's our show for this week. Um, next week, we're actually going to, and these guys are going to hate me, we're actually going to do a Christmas special, but it'll be a different topic of, of what Christmas is going. Okay. It, it, it's not going to be Christmas comics. I'll, I'll fill you guys in on what it is. All right. Um, but anyway, until next time, we're going to be down here. Thomas, get out of the hentai section. What? Oh, uh, I what? know someone Those who's going tentacles. on the naughty list. I can't believe you're you supposed to tell that? people about that. Why are your pants even on? Is that the, is that the section of the book that's all sticky? Yeah. And the ones are all stuck yeah, it's together? it's like a brick of comic books. Wow. I don't know what's going on. That's not wow. what tentacles that's are for. Yeah, what the tentacles? <laughs> who knows? so gross. Yeah, Do that in crazy. private, man. Do that in private whenever, you know, just don't, no, no touching. Oh, my God. That's so gross. I am not touching that box anymore. I'm never going near the A section either because of the anime. Have a good night, everyone.